Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Couch GM's podcast. I am Snap, I mean uh, George Kurth, along with Crackle and Pop, Tyler Snyder. How's it going? And Cody Rocap. What is up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. If this is your first time, welcome. Just a quick background on what is the Couch GM's podcast. George, Tyler, and myself are three best friends who met in college. We talk football every day, couldn't get enough. So we decided to make a show to provide some entertainment and insight for you. Absolutely. And you can expect some weekly breakdowns and predictions of all of this week's matchups, some fantasy advice, some bold predictions, and we're just going to have some fun talking football. And we want all of you to get involved in the discussion as well. You can find us on social media at the Couch GMs on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So why don't we get into a quick recap of last week? Cody. You finally won a week there at 10 and 4, and Tyler and I tied at 9 and 5. Uh, if you guys follow us on social media, you saw that I lost our little rock, paper, scissors tiebreaker. Uh, Cody, how's it feel to finally win a week here? It feels great to be on top. Uh, you know, you take every win you can get. You know, Tyler still has a pretty big lead. He's still 10 games ahead of me on the overall standings. Um, but George, buddy, you got to find a way to win. You know, maybe not throw paper or rock or so many times you know get out there and get a win next time and try not to get bullied into uh picking the Bengals over the Steelers this time no peer pressure this week nope not and I'm gonna stay strong on this episode uh but unfortunately also last week we got no bold predictions correct again I had predicted that the Rams score 14 or less that lasted into the second quarter as I expected uh Henry Ruggs did not score his two 40 plus yard touchdowns and the Buffalo-Arizona game did have three quarterback touchdowns that were not passing, but did not get that fourth in there. Tyler, you were close. That was really exciting watching that come down to the end, and that game was the most exciting game of the week last week. Couldn't agree more when the announcer said that Stephon Diggs is the best wide receiver in the league this season after he caught the touchdown with less than a minute left for DeAndre Hopkins to turn around and make that catch with all those defenders around it. You know, that's what makes the football season so great is those moments right there. Absolutely. I mean, every football season has those moments that are absolutely amazing that make you want to keep watching. But there's also some bad moments every season. And the main bad moment you can have is an injury. And boy, did we have some injuries this week, especially with quarterbacks. We had Drew Brees have a rib injury. He broke or fractured a total of five ribs uh, at least as well as a punctured lung, Teddy Bridgewater with a knee injury, Drew Locke looks like he might miss some time with a rib injury, Nick Foles, he looked like he might have broken his hip on a play, he got slammed down really hard, Uh, and Matt Stafford had a thumb strain, but he is still expected to play. Um, Which one of these quarterback injuries do you think is the most significant as far as, uh, you know, effect on the team and playoffs and fantasy? Which one are you guys looking at most? I'm going to look at it from a little bit of a different perspective, and it might not actually matter because they're on a bye week, but the Foles injury might actually make them think about Trubisky coming out of the bye if he's healthy, and that might be the biggest positive impact out of these injuries. Normally, when you're looking at this, you're looking for a negative impact. That might be the biggest positively for the Bears. To that point, though, Trubisky is still shaken up, and it came across uh, on Wednesday that they're going to bring in Deshaun Kaiser for a workout. So not looking good for any quarterback. I mean, no, Foles hasn't been great, but he has to be at least better than Deshaun Kaiser. 
for me, I think it's the Bridgewater injury. You know, it's between him or Breeze. We saw Breeze go down last year, and Teddy Bridgewater came in. They didn't miss a beat. I think Jameis Winston can do the same thing. Uh, the car, the sorry, the Carolina Panthers, on the other hand, they're on the outside looking in on a possible playoff spot. They need all the help they can get to make a run at it. And losing Bridgewater, um, right now it's still considered day to day, so he has a chance to play this week. But no Bridgewater, probably no McCaffrey, could be a tough week for the Panthers. You talked about positives with these injuries. Well, if you want to try to put a positive spin on the Drew Brees injury, we saw last year, like Cody said, when Drew Brees went down, they didn't miss a beat. And that was, you know, heavily because of Teddy Bridgewater stepping in and looking fantastic in his place. And that led to Teddy Bridgewater getting that starting opportunity the next year uh, with the Carolina Panthers. Now Jameis Winston gets to step in there and actually start in Breeze's place. And he has that same opportunity that Teddy did last year. He can try to shine in Breeze's absence and maybe it'll earn him a starting job next year. Completely agree on possibly earning a starting job. But what do you guys think about the possibility of that passing offense actually being better for, for fantasy? You know, Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, because as we've said all season, Breeze's arm has looked to have slowed down a little bit. He's not pushing the ball as far down the field. Do you think Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and the even Jared Cook could see an uptick in fantasy without Breeze there? I think there's a chance. I feel like since Michael Thomas has been back there and healthy, he's struggled mostly because Drew Breeze has been visibly banged up. And like you said, like it's listed as rib, chest, and shoulder injuries. It's He needed a chance to rest, and this finally gave him the chance to do that. And it's not like they're going to ask Winston to do too much. And Winston's a very capable quarterback. I mean, we saw him throw a bazillion interceptions last year, but he's a gunslinger. He can get the ball down the field. He's going to score touchdowns. He's going to put up points. So, I mean, like there's going to be a lot of risk reward there, but he's got the talent around him at wide receiver that those guys could be boosted by having a healthy quarterback who just wants to go out there and sling the ball around. Well, that's pretty much enough talk about these quarterbacks. We can dive into it more in our game predictions uh, but we did get a fan question that came into us from our former college professor. We talked about being friends from college, uh, Professor Neil. He's uh, playing in a two-flex league, and he has two wide receivers he needs to start. It's half-point PPR, and these are his options. He has Deontay Johnson against Jacksonville, Justin Jefferson versus Dallas, Robert Woods at Tampa Bay, Kareem Hunt versus Philadelphia, and Ronald Jones versus the Los Angeles Rams. So he needs two receivers and two flex options. What are your guys' thoughts for him? I think it's one receiver and two flex options. Yes, he needs a wide receiver too. You know, I'm a big fan of Justin Jefferson right now. I think what he has been doing has been absolutely amazing. I mean, you see Adam Thielen stealing some of the touchdowns, but it kind of looks like Kirk Cousins' main target right now is actually turning to Justin Jefferson rather than Adam Thielen and especially going against that porous Dallas defense I think that Justin Jefferson is a definite start for my wide receiver too I think for wide receiver two I might actually lean Deontay Johnson I know I was talking earlier in the year skeptical about him because of all you know crowded passing game they have there but Every single week that he's been fully healthy, he's received 10 or more targets, and that kind of volume makes me feel confident in starting him at wide receiver too. But Justin Jefferson has also got to be up there, so he would be one of my flexes regardless. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think Deontay Johnson and Justin Jefferson 
you can put in wide receiver two or your flex spot doesn't matter. Uh, I think it really comes down to the the final flex spot, and that's a tough one. Uh, if I had to pick today, I would probably go Robert Woods. Now I know Tampa Bay's defense is pretty good, uh, but the Rams and the Eagles are both really good against the running backs. And there's always a possibility that Brady gets you into a shootout. So I would take Robert Woods as my final option. How about you guys? I'm going to disagree with you there. And I'm actually going to go with Kareem Hunt personally. Uh, you know, Robert Woods is completely dependent on which guy Jared Goff likes that week. And some weeks it's Cooper Cup, some weeks it's Robert Woods, and some weeks it's Josh Reynolds. Like, you never really know what to expect. And that's not something you want to rely on when you're going against a good defense in Tampa Bay. Now, the Eagles are supposedly one of the better run defenses in the league. However, Wayne Gallman put up over 20 points last week. Who? Wayne Gallman is not a great running back. I don't think the Giants line is all that fantastic, yet he still put up that many points. And especially since Kareem Hunt has that pass-catching ability, I would say that Kareem Hunt would be my uh, number two flex over Robert Woods. I just don't know if I like the idea of a running back splitting carries against a strong run defense. I get it. Gallman did have a good week, but divisional, I think you have to throw some kind of blame onto that one. Um, I'm going to disagree with your your talk on Robert Woods just a little bit because sure, he is a little bit uh, dependent on whoever Jared Goff likes that week, but he's only had three weeks under 10 points and half point PPR this whole season. So that kind of consistency makes me feel confident that he's not going to bust two weeks in a row and you're going to be able to start him at wide at his second flex position and at least get a decent score out of him. So I'm going to go with Robert Woods with Cody. All right, there you go. You got two guys uh, siding with Robert Woods, one siding with Kareem Hunt. So if you go majority there, you got Robert Woods, uh, as well as having Justin Jefferson and Deontay Johnson. So Neil, I hope that this advice has helped you, and hopefully you can get a win this week. And speaking of wins, let's get right into our Week 11 predictions where I go to win two weeks in a row. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but this that, week That's a bold prediction. Is, is that your bold prediction for the week, that you win two weeks in a row? I, I'm not going to make it my bold prediction because we never get those right, so that's not a bold prediction. <laughs> but uh, just as a reminder, we always post our picks on social media. Feel free to get involved and tell us who you like, who you don't like predict who you think is going to win this week. Um, and let's just start right with Thursday night football. We have maybe the best Thursday night football matchup of the year. I mean, there's not many competition so. in that department, but we got the Arizona Cardinals coming off that huge uh, Hail Mary victory versus the Seattle Seahawks, who looked pretty bad against the Los Angeles Rams. So bad that they were, you know, Super Bowl favorites a few weeks ago. Now they're three-point underdogs. What are your guys' thoughts on this game? I'm actually going to go with Seattle in this matchup. You know, I think it's going to be a close game. We saw Arizona win last time um, at the last second. I think that Russell Wilson is just tired of losing. I've We've seen Seattle kind of fall off in the last few weeks, and I think they're going to play angry. I think they're going to come out firing, especially in prime time. Uh, I think they're going to let Russ cook. I think Seattle's going to put up big points. Like I said, I do think it'll be a close game, but I got to favor the Seahawks in this matchup this week. The Seahawks have been struggling lately, and I think part of that problem is because of them letting Russ cook too much. Last year, they were the t number one team in running the ball. They ran the ball more than half the time, 
And I understand that, you know, might have hurt their offense because they weren't running. They were running too much. But now they're in the situation where they're the they run the ball the third least in the whole NFL. And I think that on balance in the other direction is really making them suffer. They're putting too much on Russ. So Chris Carson's questionable. He might be back, but Carlos Hyde will definitely be back. And that is going to be big for them to have a more solid presence at running back. And I think for that reason, I'm going to go with Seattle. You're going to see a little bit more of a balanced attack. I don't care if Tyler Lockett might or might not play. I think the running back position is the more important part. The running backs getting healthy would make a big impact for Seattle. Uh, But I'm still going to go with Arizona in this one. I just think Seattle's defense is too bad. I think Arizona's offense is firing on all cylinders. Um, Maybe they'll have a little letdown after the big high they came off of on Sunday. It is a short week. Um, I will say, though, if they can get some healthy running backs, the Cardinals did lose their defensive lineman, Corey Peters, who has started every game for the last five years. So that's a big loss for them. But I just think Arizona's offense is too much for the defense. And until they get some more balance, Russ is just trying to force the ball too much for me to pick Seattle. Well, I think it's going to be an exciting game regardless. I can't wait for this matchup. I know there's a lot of fantasy players in this game, so it's going to be a lot more fun to watch for that reason as well. But guys, let's go ahead and move on into Sunday. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Jacksonville Jaguars for our first matchup. Uh, Pittsburgh is 10-point favorites. It looks like they're right on track to stay undefeated because Pittsburgh just can't seem to play anybody worth talking about. Uh, Do you guys see Jaguars pulling off an upset? Or do you think Pittsburgh stays undefeated? I'm going to jump in here and go first because I don't want anyone to try to peer pressure me off of Pittsburgh this week. I'm going to pick Pittsburgh. Uh, Jacksonville has looked better with Luton at quarterback, but I think I have to finally start giving Pittsburgh some credit. So just give them to me. Sure. Well, George, I don't think there's anything I can do to force you into picking Jacksonville. I mean, they did look great against the Packers last week, uh, but that was also a weird weather game. Uh, So it was a lot closer, a lot more running plays. And I think the only way Pittsburgh loses this game is if they decide to rest Roethlisberger because they think they already won the game, which we know won't happen here in week 11. So I'm taking Pittsburgh. Should be pretty easily. I hope I'm wrong. Maybe I should make my bold prediction that Pittsburgh wins. I don't think they'd allow that, but I'd like to see Pittsburgh get a loss here, but it's not going to happen. I couldn't agree more, Cody. I'm... Going with Pittsburgh in this matchup, uh, I think that's all we need to say about that game. So let's go ahead and move on into our next game, which is the Detroit Lions at the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to go ahead and start us off. I am picking Detroit in this matchup, mainly because of the fact that Teddy Bridgewater might be out and uh, Christian McCaffrey is already out. So I just think Carolina's offense is going to be decimated enough to the point where um Detroit is going to pull off the win. I don't love Detroit this year. They're another team that is just greatly underwhelming every year, and this year is no different. I mean, they are missing some starters like Kenny Galladay as well. However, I really like that Detroit has decided to finally, finally name DeAndre Swift the starter, and last week he looked great. He flourished in the role. I think they're going to look a lot better on offense now that they're finally going to give Swift the touches that he deserves. Uh, So give me Detroit in this matchup. I'm going to stick with you, Tyler. I'm going to take Detroit as well. You know, I, again, it's just the Teddy Bridgewater might not play. 
Um, his backups, PJ Walker, who looked pretty good in the AAF when that was still around. But you're right. DeAndre Swift looked good. I just, as a Packers fan, I hope Patricia goes back to Adrian Peterson. For your Lions fans out there who's been suffering for decades now, uh, DeAndre Swift looks like a good one, and hopefully they continue to use him. I am glad they finally started to use DeAndre Swift. It's helped so many of my teams in fantasy. I was just holding on there, praying for him to be used. And you see now that they look like a better team with him out there instead of the old Adrian Peterson just lugging around. He he doesn't quite have it anymore, and that's no hit against Adrian Peterson. But even without Bridgewater, I think just because I don't know if Detroit deserves three picks, I'm going to pull the Tyler theory here, and I'm going to go with Carolina. I know they're going to be down CMC again this week too, but Mike Davis has proven that he can really shoulder a load and not really show that there's that much of a problem. They have some good pieces to surround P.J. Walker. I'm also a big P.J. Walker guy. He looked good in the AAF. He's looked good in his limited time that he had played in the NFL. So I'm just going to you know, go with Carolina, and we're going to see what happens. All right. Well, you said it is a close game, and because of the, it's a close game and you don't think one team deserves three picks, you chose Carolina. But our next game is the New England Patriots at the Houston Texans, and the Patriots are only two-point favorites, yet all of us picked New England. Uh, nobody had the guts to take that method for this game. Um, why do you guys think the Texans don't have a chance in this one? The Texans just aren't very good. I mean, and but are the, what Patriots? the Patriots do? No, not they're not great. But what they do best in passing defense and rushing offense are some of the Texans' worst parts of their team. I think they match up well. Uh, there's no longer the Bill O'Brien. Wow, Bill Belichick. Almost forgot Bill Belichick's name. How does that even happen? But there's no longer that rivalry there. Um, I, I think Cam Newton is starting to come around. That rush offense looks great. Damian Harrison looks good. I really like what I see out of Jacoby Myers. And like I said, the passing defense, uh, we saw Will Fuller kind of have a a rough week last week against Cleveland. If you have him in fantasy, it might be another rough week for Fuller in this one. So give me New England. All right. I mean, I agree with you. I am taking New England in this one. I mean, I just – I know the Texans are bad. It's just – the Patriots really aren't that good either. I mean, we saw them beat the Ravens, which with how highly talked about the Ravens were this year, it does seem like a huge upset. But again, just like we talked about earlier, it was a weird weather game. It was windy, it was cold, and it was downpouring. It looked like the Ravens just couldn't seem to get a, a handle on the ball. They weren't able to do anything on offense because they were dropping the ball at the line of scrimmage. The receivers were dropping every pass that was thrown to them. Uh, I just think it's hard to judge either of the teams off of that game because of the weather. I, I do think the Texans have a chance to keep this one close, uh, but I do agree with you. I think I'm going to have to go with New England in this one. I think they are the better team. I mean, I don't know if we're finally starting to see a bit of a more normal Cam Newton, too. I think that would definitely help New England in this one. Um, and Jacoby Myers break out and the running game, like you guys mentioned, has been really good. I think that's why I'm going to take New England. I feel like there hasn't been the glimmers of hope in Houston like New England, which is that's the reason I'm going with it. I just don't have any confidence in Houston. Alrighty, and speaking of not having any confidence, our next matchup is the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. 
and our resident Titans fan has zero confidence in the Titans this week. Tyler, why are you taking the Ravens? Now, let me be clear. I don't have any confidence in Baltimore moving forward. I'm one of the uh, biggest naysayers of the Ravens. I don't think they're as great as they are talked about. I think Lamar is overrated. However, I have to pick against the Titans. I honestly think I would pick against the Titans no matter who they played this week. The Titans are lost. They are absolutely lost on defense. They can't seem to stop anything at all. And on offense, I don't even know what they're doing. I mean, we have decimated injuries on the offensive line. And because of that, Derrick Henry can't seem to get anything going on the ground. He, every week, it's frustrating. They're like, oh, wow, this team's holding Henry to under three yards per carry. Go back and look. Other than a couple big games he had, he's been held to under three yards a carry almost every single week. Only reason he has so many yards is because he gets a ridiculous amount of carries every single week. And then on defense, I mean, we have no-name practice squad guys as our starting outside corners. Our top safeties that are supposed to be shut down are not doing anything. But the main issue with this team is special teams right now. Now, someone talked me off a ledge because I am just losing my mind. The Titans' starting punter, Brett Kern, got injured three weeks ago. So two weeks ago, we signed Ryan Allen, former Patriots punter, and he averaged over 50 yards a punt. He did great. Then they find some FedEx driver who says he can punt, who apparently had better hang time in practice than Ryan Allen, so they decided to start him. And he shanks one punt, gets another one blocked, and was just absolutely slow on all of his punts and looked like almost all of them were going to get blocked. And they cut Ryan Allen and said, we're moving forward with Trevor Daniel. And on top of that, Steven Goskowski has missed seven field goals under 50 yards this year. Seven easy ones. And they have full confidence in him. The Titans have cut Vic Beasley. Uh, they have cut Jonathan Joseph because they weren't getting their job done. But yet we're still married to Steven Goskowski, who's missed seven easy field goals. Some of them game winners. What are they doing? Yeah, that's a tough one to answer. My only guess is is there's not too many options for kickers out there. You know, we talked about it a little bit off air. We were talking about how it'd be a double whammy to go out and get Matt Gay off the Colts practice squad. Uh, the Rams beat you to it. So maybe that's some bad front office work. But if you look at the list of free agents right now that are out there, you know, the headliners are Adam Vinatieri, who's we saw him fall off last year, kind of like we're seeing Gostowski this year. Steven Hauschka, you know, I mentioned, heck, why don't you bring him in? Let him kick under 50 and Gostowski over 50. You'd probably have a really good tandem there. And then Chandler Catanzaro, who's been up and down. So there's just not that many options. It's a weird year bringing people in. Well, they do have Giorgio Tavecchio on the practice squad, who has had some success in the past. No, he's not the most accurate kicker in the world, but he hasn't missed quite as many as Steven Goskowski has this year, ever. And on top of that, I did hear a rumor that Roberto Aguayo's agent has reached out to the Titans, begging him to, begging them to give him a chance because apparently he's still in football shape and has been really working on his craft. I'm not saying I want Roberto Aguayo. I've seen him miss plenty of field goals in the past. However... At this point, he's worth bringing in for a workout and just seeing what he's got. He was drafted early in the draft 
for a reason. And, you know, if whatever was bothering him was found, maybe he will be good. Maybe just give Giorgio Tavecchio a chance. But honestly, at this point, let me kick for the team, and I might be more accurate than Steven Goskowski. It is just sad at this point. Hey, maybe that's their plan. Never punt, <laughs> never kick. The only other thing that I can come up with is since being an Eagles fan and hearing how they were so attached to some of their players that they had a hard time getting rid of them after that Super Bowl, and it took them that's why it took them so many years to start getting younger. You're looking at a team who's coached by some of those old Patriots guys, and they probably have an attachment to Goskowski as he helped win multiple Super Bowls and he's a future Hall of Famer. It could even just be an emotional thing at this point. Well, emotionally, Titans fans are on the verge of just jumping off a cliff because this has been absolutely brutal. We watched them go five and zero to start the season, and now they are one and three or one and four in their last few weeks. It's just, it's just painful to watch. I'm. That's why I got to pick Baltimore. Uh, do you guys see anything different? I'm going with you with Baltimore as well. I, it's hard to judge Baltimore and how they might or might not be progressing off of last week just because of that weather being absolutely atrocious. So because the Titans have been on the downward slide and the Ravens are still a very good team and have a very good defense, I got to pick Baltimore. I think if this game was happening in cold weather in Baltimore in December, I might think about leaning Tennessee a little bit more because that's Derrick Henry's season. But it's going to be warm and sunny and so there's no reason for me to think oh no one's going to want to tackle Derrick Henry they're also going to be out for revenge after that playoff loss last week last year honestly New England game last week could have been a trap game being between Pittsburgh and Tennessee you never really know yeah I don't think you can say the Patriots game was a trap game I mean you can't ever overlook the Patriots uh and Tennessee Titans fans you can you can count on me I won last week I'm gonna win this week on this pick Again, not a bold prediction, but I'm just going to say it. Uh, you know, we talked about, you know, Tyler mentioned the undrafted free agent corners. Well, I don't really care about any of the Ravens wide receivers. Uh, I think the safeties can handle Mark Andrews. And I think an underrated part of the Titans is their defensive tackle, Jeffrey Simmons. He is a, so dominant at the point of the attack. He's going to make that offensive line have to work for every yard. And that's what the Ravens are based out of. They're on their the run game I think Jeffrey Simmons has a big game I think Tannehill bounces back we might even get a big play from AJ Brown or maybe even a big run from Derrick Henry I think Tennessee has an upset this week boy I hope you're right I really do for anybody out there that's listening that doesn't know my entire family is Ravens fans all of them and I always watch this game with my family every time the Titans play the Ravens it was sweet in the playoffs last year but now watching the Titans be Struggling the last few weeks, being in a house full of 10 to 15 Ravens fans is not going to be fun if the Titans are terrible. So uh, I'm hoping you're right, Cody. I'm hoping the Titans can pull this one off. Um, you know, speaking of no faith, though, next we have the Philadelphia Eagles at the Cleveland Browns. And just like me picking against the Titans, George, you're picking against the Eagles. Yep. Uh, last Come on, George, week. pick your Eagles. Let's go. Last week was tough, but I mean, I had said it earlier, divisional, you never know what could happen, but Cleveland looks good. If there's a team that could run on the Eagles, I feel like it could be Cleveland with their two-headed monster of Chubb, who looks good coming back off of injury. They were not worried about giving him a workload, and Kareem Hunt, who's still a top 10 running back in the league, despite him being a 
technically a backup. I'm very shocked that the betting line's only three and a half points. I feel like the Eagles are getting a lot of credit on that. And until their offensive line decides to block and give Carson Wentz more than two seconds on every passing play, they're not going to be super successful on offense and be able to keep up with teams like Cleveland, especially when Cleveland's going to limit their offensive plays by running the clock down, by grinding the ball out. I agree with you, George. I'm going Cleveland. Uh, Eagles are bad, and I don't see them changing that anytime soon. Give me Cleveland. George, I'm disappointed going against your own team. But I'm right there with you. I'm taking Cleveland. I think we did see Nick Chubb come back, look stronger than ever. Some people, betting world and the fantasy world, were mad that he stepped out at the one-yard line. Probably cost some people some money in some weeks. But you're right. You know, Philadelphia's offensive line is just not great. Um, But, you know, Cleveland only did put up 10 points last week. Again, that was a weird weather game. But uh, I just want to throw out my bold prediction. Uh, It doesn't specifically relate to this matchup, even though it could be Miles Garrett gets five sacks. It's not my bold prediction, but wouldn't be surprised if it happens. Uh, But I'm going to say we're going to have a tie this week. I'm not sure which game it's going to be, but one game will finish in a tie. And I hope it's this one. One, because I hope that Philadelphia ties both games against Ohio. I don't know why. I think that'd be a fun storyline, something unique. So I hope it's this one, but it could easily be the Lions-Carolina Panthers game or the maybe even the Patriots-Texans game because those teams are so up and down. But we got a tie coming this week, boys. Be ready. Man, I think that would be the first time maybe ever or maybe at least in the modern era that a team would tie twice if it is Eagles-Browns, but... Very bold prediction, Cody. You normally don't see two of those in a year. You normally see like one every two years. So that'd be really cool to see as frustrating as it is because I hate seeing ties. But why don't we move on to a much more competitive matchup here? We're going to look at the Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. You normally think New Orleans probably has this one in the bag, but we talked about Drew Brees in the weekly headlines, and we're going to see Jameis Winston with a little sprinkle of Taysom Hill I know I'm going to go with New Orleans here regardless. I like Jameis Winston in relief. He's been around. He know he can do it. New Orleans seems to do a good job with bringing in these back of quarterbacks and not missing a beat. We saw it last year with Bridgewater, like we said earlier as well. So I'm going to go with New Orleans. Where are you guys going to go here? I'm going to agree with you, George, which is never smart, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to stick with New Orleans. You know, we got Jameis Winston coming in. He's been around, and he also has – played the Falcons numerous times when he was with the Buccaneers so he has the familiar familiarity familiarity yeah, I think I got there you it go. I actually got one but he has that with against the Falcons I mentioned it at the top I do think the Saints passing offense might actually get a little bit better with more of a gunslinger and the Falcons defense is just too bad for me to pick them yeah Falcons defense is bad but uh, their offense is good, and that's why I continue to pick the Falcons. I think any time that they can put up the amount of points that they have the potential to do, uh, they're always in it to win. I think that there's a chance we see Calvin Ridley this week, which would be amazing. Uh, Falcons offense would see a big uptick. And, you know, I'm just really not sold on Jameis Winston yet. Uh, I think he's going to have some uh, some jitters having the first game back. Uh, I'm curious to see what Jameis Winston would get. I mean, he might try to protect the ball a little more because he's worried about, you know, uh, blowing his shot back. Uh, he might go back to classic Jameis Winston gunslinger and 
you know, possibly throw some turnovers during this game. I'm curious to see what Jameis Winston we get. And until I see that, Jameis, I'm going to actually go with the Falcons in this one to pull off the upset. And uh, maybe it'll speed up Breeze's recovery a little bit if he sees Jameis Winston lose a game. You know, I also wouldn't rule out Sean Payton just starting Taysom Hill at the, at the start Stop of the game. Stop it. Stop it. I, I want to be able to watch this game, and I can't if Taysom Hill is in there. I'm just saying that would be something. You know, Sean Payton is infamous for the onside kick in the Super Bowl. Well, he could be like, it's Jameis all week, and then just start Taysom Hill. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't either. I think we're going to see a heavy dose of Taysom Hill, as much as I hate to say it. I don't think he's fantasy relevant still, but uh, it's just so predictable. They don't trust Taysom Hill throwing enough. He might throw one maybe two passes in this game if he gets a lot of snaps. But in all honesty, when Taysom Hill steps in there, you know it's going to be a read option. So you either cover Kamara or you cover Taysom. If you have enough defensive guys in there, cover them both. They're going to be shut down. We've seen it with all these teams trying to implement the uh, special quarterback that comes in for these special plays. The Eagles did it with Jalen Hurts, and the Giants started to figure it out. Hurts came in. They're like, it's going to be a read option. Cover them both. And you're able to stop it. And I don't think the Saints are going to be any different this week. I still don't understand how Taysom Hill gets any yards ever at quarterback. Um, As a receiver, fine. But I hope for their sake that they just stick with Jameis Winston with only a few plays of Taysom Hill in there. I don't know why NFL Fantasy doesn't have Taysom Hill ranked at 20 points or projected at 20 points this week, but it was last week that they decided to do that. I don't really get it. But why don't we move on to our next game, which is the Cincinnati Bengals at the Washington football team. Alex Smith came in to start last week for the first time playing a full game since his tragic injury about two seasons prior. And he looked pretty good, actually. But still, none of us are going to go with Washington here. What are your guys' uh, reasons for that one? This is also another game that I could totally see. Ending in another tie. So we'll say Cincinnati gets two ties against the NFC East. Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, But really, I'm only going Cincinnati because I like Joe Burrow. I want to see him succeed. I think he has another win left this season with that team. Uh, Probably still no mix-in. It doesn't look good for him. Uh, That's a weird situation that he wasn't put on IR. They've been thinking each game, and then he still isn't back yet. Uh, But anyways, I do think Cincinnati can't get the win. Washington football team's defense is pretty good up front, so that's going to be their way to victory. Uh, But I think Joe Burrow can take advantage of them on the back end. Yeah, you can't forget that the Washington football team defense has actually been pretty good this year. They've been good at getting to the quarterback, which can force some turnovers. And they've been really good at shutting down some receivers, so you might want to watch out if you have any Bengals receivers this week. And I definitely would be cautious about starting any of them. Uh, Yeah. I think Washington will keep it close. I think they do have a chance to win it. I would love to see Alex Smith get a win, but I have to pick Cincinnati this week. I I really like what I've seen out of them this year. Definitely think Cincinnati matches up a lot better this week than they did last week. So despite having the good defense, they're going to put up more than seven points. And Washington's offense, I don't think can keep up with Joe Burrow slinging the ball around. I'd still like to see if Joe Mixon gets back this week. He's questionable, but 
we've only seen one bad week out of Giovanni Bernard, and it was against one of the best defenses against the run. So I think they're going to be fine regardless, even with Washington having the tough defense that we're going to go with Cincinnati here. And before we move on real quick, with the, the running back situation in Washington, um, this is strictly from a fantasy perspective. What are your guys' thoughts rest of season on Gibson versus McKissick? I know Gibson, you know, he did score a touchdown last week. He looks good in when he gets the opportunities, but McKissick seems to be hogging all the catches uh, at the moment. Um, so what are your guys' thoughts long-term on those two? I think it's got to be a matchup-based decision. There's going to be some weeks in close games, like it could be this one, where both of them are startable at running back two to flex. Um, if there's ever going to be a time where they're completely outmatched, you got to go McKissick because the game script is going to favor him more. I don't know if you're going to see a situation where they think, oh, they're going to blow out a team. But for whatever reason you think that's the case, it would have to be Gibson. But their schedule is actually really light for the rest of the year. So there's good chance that they're going to be in a lot of closer games and you're going to see fantasy relevance out of both of them. But I think because McKissick has a better chance of getting a lot of catches in negative game scripts, then I think he's going to be slightly more reliable. But he's not really the traditional running back you want to start in fantasy, per se. Yeah, I think that you can actually compare this backfield to like a poor man's Browns team. Nowhere, nowhere close as good. But I think that McKissick can be compared to a Kareem Hunt style of player while uh, Gibson can be compared to more of a Nick Chubb. You have one that's going to be your pure runner, one that can run but is most likely your pass catcher. Uh, You're going to see some plays where both of them might even be on the field. And the thing about Gibson, the reason I like him more, is when they get to the red zone, Gibson's usually the guy that's in. Gibson's usually the guy they want to push the pile and get into the end zone. So I favor him a little bit more than McKissick. Although, just like with the Browns running backs, both of them can be startable on certain weeks. But again, nowhere close to as good as those Browns running backs. Well said. Uh, Just one more fun fact. I don't know if you guys heard, but Alex Smith was studying Phillip Rivers' tape because he wanted to learn how to play football without moving in the pocket, similar to how Alex Smith, or excuse me, how Phillip Rivers plays. I mean, we even saw him come out for the quarterback sneak because he doesn't like to move around in the podcast or podcast. That's what we're doing right now. <laughs> he doesn't like to move around in the pocket. Uh, but, you know, so let's let's just stick with Phillip Rivers. You know, we move on to our four o'clock games and we have the Green Bay Packers who didn't look great against the Jacksonville Jags at the Indianapolis Colts. Colts had a mini bye week after beating the Titans. Sorry, Tyler. Uh, doesn't look like we have any faith, though, with that continues on. Uh, we're all taking Green Bay this week. Uh, why do you guys like Green Bay? I won't lie. I thought you were going to make a mistake there. And the next one on our rundown was the L.A. Chargers game. And I was like, wait a minute, Cody. He's not there anymore. Hold back. Hold back. But <laughs> you did a good job there. That was good. Um, I'm going to go with Green Bay just because, I mean, I still don't really like the Colts. I don't think the Colts winning last week was really the Colts being good as much as the Titans don't have an identity right now. And Green Bay has had its ups and downs, but Green Bay is one of the best teams in the NFC. There's no denying it. They're getting another weapon back this week with Alan Lazard. Adams and Rodgers are better than ever. I don't see how you can pick against them unless they're facing one of the best teams in the league in maybe some other negative scenario. I'm picking them almost every single week. 
I honestly think that Alan Lazard is going to be the Packers' leading receiver this week as long as he does actually start. I think that uh, Rodgers is going to want to get him back in the mold, and uh, they're going to favor him in this matchup. Uh, probably not. Probably will be Adams, but I just have a sneaky suspicion that Lazard's going to have a huge game. But going back to your point leading into this game that Alex Smith was studying Philip Rivers' tape, I just want to make a little PSA to anybody out there, especially the kids that are trying to learn how to throw the football, who have dreams and aspirations of making the NFL. Whatever you do, don't watch Philip Rivers and try to learn from him. He is the worst quarterback to watch and learn from. His throwing motion is something that coaches will try to tell you for years, do not do it. The fact that he is able to make it work and he's had this long of a career is absolutely mind-blowing. Everything he does looks awkward and wrong. He just somehow is able to succeed despite it. So please, don't study Philip Rivers. Do study Aaron Rodgers because he knows what he's doing and minute things in his game are amazing. There was a touchdown pass he threw last week to Devontae Adams where the play action fake he made, even watching it the second time, made me think that he didn't have the ball. It was absolutely phenomenal. You're right. Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal. Uh, you're going to call me Homer, but it's it's the truth. And I'm going to take Green Bay in this one. I do like the potential of Alan Lazard being the leading receiver if he is back. Uh, but, you know, on the opposite side, we have Devontae Adams going up against Xavier Rhodes, former Minnesota Vikings, who Adams has schooled on numerous occasions. I don't think Xavier Rhodes can stop him. They'll probably have to move Rocky Sin over to Devontae Adams. Uh, the only way, I shouldn't say the only way, but the main way that the Colts could pull off this victory would be making the Packers one-dimensional and being able to run the ball, which are two things that definitely could happen, but I like Green Bay in this one. Yeah, I agree with you, Cody. Um, and, you know, it's kind of sad that this entire 4 o'clock slate is fairly one-sided for each matchup, and that really doesn't change for this next game, which is the Los Angeles Chargers and the New York Jets. Um, is there any way that the Chargers can find a way to lose this game? I know we've talked about them being like the Falcons and finding ways to lose, but we've said it time and time again that the Jets won't win a game this season. Uh, or at least I've said it time and time again. And I don't see how this game is going to be any different. I think the Chargers are going to win this one easily. Yeah, I have no answers for you there. I think the Chargers win this one pretty easily. I think Justin Herbert gets another victory. The only way they lose is if they beat themselves. So maybe they decide to punt on third downs this game because they're playing the Jets, and then that comes back to bite them. I, I, don't, know. I don't know. The Jets aren't good. Like I feel like I've already talked about the Jets too much. I think the Jets had their uh, coming out game last week. Not they're going to actually come out and stay good, but like they always, all these bad teams always have the one game where they look like they could win or they look like they've turned a corner. That was last week. They still lost. That was their one chance. I think, yeah, if the Chargers beat themselves, then yeah, the Jets have a chance to win, but the Jets need like seven or eight things to go their way and have a monsoon and the chargers go out for lunch at halftime and get stuck at lunch and don't come back in time or something like that for them to lose this game plus you know sam darnold is another quarterback that got hurt so flacco starting again and we talk that none of us really like joe flacco so that game is pretty self-explanatory chargers pretty easy victory probably the only one that i'll get right this week uh, but let's move on to a matchup that would be better if the quarterback, Drew Locke, didn't get hurt, but the Miami Dolphins 
at the Denver Broncos. Once again, we're all agreeing with Miami. They're on a hot streak right now. Tua is starting to come into shape. That defense is super legit. And I'm a huge Brian Flores fan, so Miami, I think, has this one pretty easily. I don't think Tua is going to go undefeated today the rest of the season. There's just there's no way that's going to happen. So I'm going to try to pick out his loss in the next few weeks, but this is not going to be it, especially without Drew Locke. Denver's okay. Denver's coming around. They're going to be good next year probably, but they're not good enough this year to beat this Miami team that's just playing on all cylinders right now. I like everything that's happening to them. They get a running back injury and Gaskin goes down and everyone's starting to get worried about that. And they have some guy no one's ever heard of come off the practice squad, get 21 carries and go off. It seems like nothing can go wrong for them right now. So against a, a, what could be argued a, easily a lesser team against Denver, they're not going to lose this game. I agree with you, George. I don't think they're going to lose. Um, I do think Ahmed, which is the running back you are referring to, uh, he is a potential starter for fantasy matchups this week. Not a long-term play because I do think when Gaskin comes back, he's going to take most of the carries. But he is a good flex or play this week. Um, but guys, not only do I think Miami's going to win this game, but I think that Denver is going to be absolutely lost. Miami's defense is underrated. Um We've seen them perform super well in the last few weeks, but every time we talk about top defenses, Miami needs to be in that conversation, and it never is. And I think it's going to be after this week because my bold prediction for this week is Miami will shut out the Denver Broncos. I think the Broncos don't put up a single point this week, not a field goal, not a touchdown, nothing. Hey, makes sense to me. We talked about no Drew Locke. We talked about the injuries that Broncos have had. I could see them definitely getting goose-egged. But we got one more matchup in the 4 o'clock games. It is the quote-unquote America's team, which no one actually believes anymore or ever believed, at the Minnesota Vikings coming off a Monday night victory. And once again, we're all on the same page. We're taking Minnesota. But with that said, I will go out on a limb and say Dallas makes this game a lot closer than the seven points that uh, Minnesota has. Are you, why are you saying that because of Andy Dalton coming back or what what makes you think that? Uh, Mike McCarthy off of a buy. That's pretty much it. I think Minnesota is still not the best team. We know Dallas's defense is not very good either, Um, but there's just something, it's just one of those things that's in my gut that I almost picked the upset. You're not going to convince me to switch, but I almost did pick the upset this week. I think Minnesota will get it done in the fourth quarter, but this game is going to be a lot closer than I think people think. I don't see how you can take Dalvin Cook versus a Swiss cheese Dallas defense. So not only is he going to put up a couple of touchdowns and try to break this thing open, and then you got Andy Dalton probably coming back, and if they play him, which they really shouldn't, that that team did not play for him before. Why would they play for him now? Minnesota's offense, despite struggling, is going to put up points and run the clock down. Cowboys aren't even going to have a chance. I don't see how the Cowboys can even keep this close, honestly. And that's pretty bad considering Minnesota is not a fantastic team. You know, 
the Cowboys looked bad when Dak Prescott was their quarterback, but when he got hurt, they looked way, way worse. The only time they've looked good all season since Dak left was against the Steelers, the undefeated Steelers with Garrett Gilbert at quarterback. So how do you have a game where Gilbert looks, you know, really good? He's making plays, the team's rallying behind him, he is acting like a leader, and you almost pull off one of the biggest upsets of the entire season, and then you're like, oh yeah, Andy Dalton, he's been terrible, let's put him back in there. As a coach, how do you make that move? How do you not start Garrett Gilbert? Totally agree, Tyler. I have no idea how that happens. I feel like that has to be a morale hit because we've talked about it in the past how that team just didn't even seem to want to go to bat for Andy Dalton. And now you're going to bring him back in after you had this guy rallying the troops so well. I don't get it. I think the Dalton thing is more based on the contract they've given him. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's some Jerry Jones uh, enforcing, which he shouldn't do as the owner. He shouldn't have any control over who plays and who doesn't. But we all know. Jerry Jones has more say than most owners do, and it's because they paid him. I would imagine Dalton gets the start um, this week, and I completely understand where you guys are coming from. I think it's going to be a blowout. I, I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm just saying my gut told me that Dallas is going to keep this one close, may even pull off the upset. But because, you know, you mentioned Dalvin Cook, but I think the Dallas's best part of their defense is their linebackers. Not saying they can stop Dalvin Cook, but I think they can contain him to some degree. And I just don't like Kirk Cousins. So. I, I agree with you. Kirk Cousins is not a very flashy player. Uh, however, I still don't see any way that Dallas can win this game. Although we've said that before, we've seen games where we all pick the same. Heck, the whole country picked the same. And we were wrong. And one of those games was earlier this season. And that's when the Kansas City Chiefs faced off against the Los Angeles or Las Vegas Raiders. And, Guys, they're facing again this week. They are the Sunday night game. The Chiefs are in Vegas, and we're all picking the Chiefs again. Did we not learn from our mistakes last time? Was last time a fluke? Uh, why are you guys picking Kansas City? I'm just picking Kansas City because I don't think they'll get swept by any team in their division. Um, maybe the Raiders have their number. I know these games are always close. Even a couple years ago when the Raiders were, were really bad and still had Amari Cooper, they had that one I was either Sunday night or Thursday night game. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they like scored a bunch of points and upset the Kansas State Chiefs, and no one saw it coming. So maybe the Raiders have their numbers, uh, but I'm going to go with Kansas City. I think they're going to keep rolling. That team looks really good and definitely scary down the stretch. Yeah, Cody, I got to agree with you. I really don't think that the Chiefs could lose to a team twice in the same year. And the other thing to look at is Andy Reid off a of bye is absolutely fantastic. He's been that way since he was in Philadelphia, so I don't see how the Chiefs can lose this game to the Raiders. With the Raiders are just a much less significant team. You can get lucky every once in a while. The last game was a fluke. George, I have a question for you. Yeah, and I want your honest opinion. Uh, okay. You weren't expecting this question, so it should be fun. You've watched Andy Reid in Philadelphia. You know, always be good but never be great. He never took you to the Super Bowl winning level. And you've seen Doug Peterson struggle this year, but you have seen the Eagles finally win a Super Bowl under him. If you could make a choice right now, who would you rather have as your head coach for the Eagles, Doug Peterson or Andy Reid? Ooh, that is a fantastic question. Um, I honestly think the better coach is Andy Reid. But 
at the same time, Reed needed a change of scenery when he was fired from Philadelphia. So I cannot blame them for pulling that one off when they did. The Chip Kelly thing in the middle was a disaster. If they would have went straight to someone like a Doug Peterson, it would have felt better. But I cannot be mad at Doug Peterson. He's a great coach. I don't know if he's as great as Andy Reid, though. So I'd have to say Andy Reid. It's just I cannot blame him for firing when they did. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough there. You know, that was a great debate you had there. I'm definitely team Andy Reid. I don't actually think Doug Peterson, uh, this might be controversial, is that great of a coach. I think we're seeing it this year. A lot of his staff members that were with him are having more success around the league. And Andy Reid, back to the Chiefs game, is 18-3 and off of a bye. Guys, I don't think there's anything else we need to say about this game. There is actually one more thing I do want to say about this game. Okay. So, I know we're talking up Kansas City a lot, but I don't think the the Raiders are just going to crawl into a ball and lose this game. I think it's still going to be super competitive. Um, the seven and a half spread might be about right. I could still see Kansas city winning by a touchdown or more like 10 points, but I'm going to throw my bold prediction on this game and say, it's going to be a very entertaining Sunday night game. And it's going to be the highest scoring game of the week this week. They are projected to be the second highest scoring game, according to Las Vegas. So, uh, not super bold, but still bold, um, especially because, you know, the Raiders have give and take games. Some weeks they look great, some weeks they don't. And last time these two teams faced, the Chiefs completely disappeared. So, um, you know, I'll give it to you. I'll allow it for a bold prediction here. Hey, they did score 72 combined points the last time they faced. So that definitely right up their alley. So if you are listening to the podcast and uh, you trust George's opinion, which apparently, George, you have a heck of a following on this podcast every week. People are rooting for you to start getting some wins. But if you are listening and you are a fan of George, think he has a good point here, bet the over and bet it hard on this game. The Couch GMs is not responsible for any lost wages. Absolutely. But anyways, that's that's the uh, that's the Sunday slate. We got Monday night football. It's the Los Angeles Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Both teams coming off victories. The Rams looked probably the best they've looked all year. So much that they are the favorites by four points. I see that there's a little bit of a split on who we're taking this week. So I'm going to just tell you all right now, I am taking the Los Angeles Rams. I do think the Andrew Whitworth injury will cause some issues. uh, But thankfully, that was only uh, a minor or so-called minor. He didn't have a major injury there. Uh, The Rams still don't know what they're doing with the running back. So if you have any of them in fantasy, good luck. But I just think McVay, Arians, it's such a great matchup, but I think the Rams' defense is something that's not being talked about as much. It, this could be a, a really low-scoring game, as good as these defenses are, but I think the Rams pull it out. I agree with you, Cody. I think bet the under. Um, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game as well, and I also agree with you on who you picked. I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, fantasy-wise, Guys, be careful. Like we said, we could see this being a real low-scoring game, which means you could see a lack of fantasy points from a lot of the key guys in this game. So if you're relying on these guys on Monday night to win you your game, you could be very disappointed. But I'm going to go with the Rams. I think that, you know, they're pretty even. They both have great defenses. They both have offensive weapons. Um, 
Jared Goff compared to an aged Tom Brady. I think the quarterback matchup is pretty even. So I think it's going to come down to who has the better coach. And I'm a big Sean McVay fan. I, I have been since he first entered the league. And I think that he is the better coach than Bruce Arians. And I'm going to have to give him the victory in this matchup. You know, I'll have to say, I really don't love this pick. But another situation of, I don't think the Rams deserved three picks in this. So I'm going to go with Tampa Bay in this one. I think that their offense might struggle. So they might have to have their defense step up to win this game a little bit. But we've seen the Rams offense disappear sometimes. And the Tampa Bay defense is no joke. If there's anything that I'm more confident in, it's the Buccaneers defense, which has been built up the right way and really can mesh more than that Buccaneers offense, which is more of an all-star team where you're going to see a lot of hiccups and problems. So I think this could end up being a little bit of a lower scoring game and Tampa Bay could squeak it out. Just I'm not in love with that pick, but I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. George, let's be honest. The reason you're picking Tampa Bay here is because when you're losing on Sunday in the picks again, you want a chance to at least tie somebody on Monday. It's and okay normally it comes it. down to a Chargers game pick, and that's where my issue has been. So we're going to put it on a different team this week. Well, your following is definitely going to root for you on that one. Uh, like I said, you've had some people that are just really upset that you keep losing. They want you, they want to see you win. And in turn, that is making a lot of people root against me. They really want to see me lose and take a punishment. Uh, but guys, you know, if you're out there listening, let us know who you're picking. Let us know who you think is going to win out of us. Let us know who you think is going to win out of these games. Who did you pick differently? Uh, who did you agree with? Uh, give us a shout out. Let us know who you picked. We'd love to see you get involved. And as always, our picks will all be posted on social media. Make sure to give us a like, follow, subscribe. Uh, but guys, that is it for our picks. So we're going to go ahead and move into our lightning round, which it's week 11. Most playoffs for fantasy start in week 14. So we're getting into crunch time. We're into that time where you need to win to be able to make it into the playoffs. So we're going to go into a little bit of a start and sit for week 11. Cody, start us off with who you would start this week. All right, so my start of the week this week, I talked about a little bit earlier, is Jacoby Myers. Since uh last three to four weeks now, he has had over 30% of the target share. He has seemed to have that connection with Cam Newton. Julian Edelman is still not practicing. The Houston Texans defense is not very good. Jacoby Myers gets the targets in New England, and he's going to have another big game this week. I'm going to go with Antonio Gibson, the running back from the Washington football team. You know, we talked about earlier that Gibson and McKissick both have their roles and it might be the matchups that you have to play them. And this week, they're going against the Cincinnati Bengals. Although we all picked the Bengals, Washington is actually favored in this matchup, which means it should be a closer game. They might even have a lead for a chunk of the game. And anytime that's going to happen, you want to go with your runner, not your pass catcher. And that is Antonio Gibson. I think he gets a lot of work. I think he might win you guys your fantasy matchup this week. I know there's a lot of quarterback injuries out there, so I'm going to go ahead and suggest a quarterback here, and that's going to be Ben Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger has done very well in positive matchups so far this year, and he's facing one of the bottom teams against the quarterback. The Steelers could end up in a bit of a closer game than we think if Jacksonville's offense continues to do 
something like it has been the last few weeks, which is positive news for a quarterback who's not going to have to sit back and you know hand the ball off for a second half of the game. He's still going to have to throw the ball and keep the pressure on. So I'm going to say start Big Ben. All righty. And then for my sit of the week this week, um, this one's a little bit of a shock, and you might not be able to do them based on how many running backs you have behind him. But if you can, I would avoid Kareem Hunt. We talked about them having a split carry. We saw how good Chubb looked when he came back from injury last week. I think we talked about how the Eagles defense is pretty good against the run. So I'm going to actually say sit Kareem Hunt. Again, I understand you might not have the ability because running backs are so hard to find. But if you're one of those fortunate people out there that can afford to do it, I would do it this week. My sit of the week is Antonio Brown, the Buccaneers receiver. I know when we first heard the news that Antonio was signing with the Bucs, we all went out and scooped him up real quick. And, you know, these first two weeks he's improved. He has shown some flashes. It looks like he has earned a spot in your starting lineup, but not this week. I believe that Jalen Ramsey is going to play sides. He is not going to shadow a receiver. With that being said, the Bucs will most likely play it smart and start Mike Evans on the opposite side of Jalen Ramsey, putting Ramsey on Antonio Brown for most of the game. With that being said, I think Jalen's going to shut down Antonio Brown. To be honest with you, I don't really like any of the pass catchers for the Bucks in this matchup, but definitely not Antonio. I would sit him on your bench this week. I'm going to actually stick with a Buccaneers thing here, and I'm going to go with sitting Leonard Fournette. If you have to start somebody in that backfield this week, because there's a chance you're going to have to start somebody, I would have to say Ronald Jones is a better play. It looked like they were trying to lean Fournette for the lead back when he came back from injury, but Ronald Jones blew that out of the water last week when he took over the carries and had a 98-yard touchdown. So not only is it a very negative matchup, for Fournette, but that backfield split is not favoring him right now. So sit him on your bench, see if it happens to come back towards his favor later. All right, guys, I hope that helped you out a little bit with your starts and sits this week in week 11. Uh, But before we go, we're going to change things up a little bit. You know, we're all couch GMs at heart. And when you get ready to sit on your couch in your man cave or living room and GM your team from afar, we want to know, and we're going to debate our personal favorites, but let us know on social what your guys' are. What what is the best game day food to have with you? I'm going to start this one off, guys. You know, I love tacos. I love nachos. I love anything along those lines. But the best food for game day would have to be to put those together and have a walking taco. You get a big crock pot full of taco meat, and then you get uh, some crushed up bags of Doritos, and you just fill that bag of Doritos up with the meat, all the toppings you love for your tacos, and it is the best game day food. It is delicious. It's amazing, and it's you can personalize it for whoever's with you. They can put whatever they want on it. It is the best game day food. Don't at me. I mean, there's no complaints that it's fantastic. I'm going to have to say my personal favorite choice would have to be buffalo chicken dip. I like the spicy stuff. You pull have the nachos there. It's a good food to be able to take with you, sit down in front of the TV and just watch it, watch some good old football. So I'm going to have to say that personally, but you do have a very good point of being able to personalize walking tacos is a fantastic choice, Tyler. Yeah, and with those walking tacos, you have the underrated fact that it's a pretty easy cleanup. You know, you, everything's contained in that bag. You throw it away. Not much left over. Uh, but, you know, for mine, you want leftovers. And that's a good old slice of pizza partnered with a nice cold beer. 
And, you know, pizza, you can get taco pizza if you want. If you like tacos, you can get buffalo chicken pizza if you like the spicy things, George. There's nothing better than a good slice of pizza, all varieties. Give me pizza and a beer on game day. There's always the good old chicken bacon ranch pizza. I know us three love it. If you guys haven't tried it out there, give it a shot. It's good. Man, I love pizza, but, you know, this is a debate, guys. This isn't just uh, let's discuss. So I'm going to go ahead and debate with you. Uh, pizza is amazing. But the nice thing about the walking taco is you keep that taco meat in the crock pot. It stays hot all game long. You start at 1 o'clock. That meat is still hot and ready to go by the end of the 8 o'clock game. Pizza, you buy it, and by halftime of the 1 o'clock games, it's already cold. Now, I love cold pizza. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of people out there don't. A lot of people out there don't love cold pizza. So with that being said, it's not the best game day food. you got to have something that stays good all day day long look i understand you guys both went crock pot foods you know buffalo chicken tickets in the crock pot walking tacos is in the crock pot but like you said if you love cold pizza like i do and there's a lot of us out there you almost get two meals you get the hot pizza for the one o'clock games you get the cold pizza for the four o'clock games so you can't go wrong with pizza you know there's so many other options too like but i think we got the best three i can't think of anything else you know People be like, oh, what about wings? Well, wings are overrated. I mean, I love wings, but that's too cliche. We couldn't go with just wings. Um, We got the buffalo in there with the chicken dip. But I think that's enough debate. Unless, George, you got any last words to defend your buffalo chicken dip? I just like food. That's a great way to end it. Here on the Couch GMs, we just like food. So uh, thanks again for listening. Please follow along on social media at the Couch GMs. We're everywhere. Leave a comment, review, like, and subscribe. Guys, we just said it. We're all couch GMs. We all do it. Every Sunday you're sitting on your couch and you are screaming at your TV saying, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? But guys, the TV doesn't listen to you. But you know who does? We do. We're great listeners. Reach out to us. Let us know what you would do with your team. Get involved. This is a lot more fun when you get involved. It's more fun for you, more fun for us. Let your inner couch GM out and get involved. And thank you again for listening into the Couch GM's podcast. For Tyler Snyder and Cody Roadcap, I'm George Kurth, and we will see you all next week.